Hello, welcome to The Heavy with Andrew and Don, where we cover a large range of rock and metal topics for the casual listener. I am your host, Don Sutherland. With me, as always, my brother, Andrew Sutherland. What's up, dirtbags? Hey, there we go. We told Andrew to be peppy. He brought the pep. Good job. Is that, is that uh, peppy enough? It sounded peppy to me, I think. Uh, uh, no no messages today. Remember, you can email us at theheavypod at gmail.com. If you got any comments to say, Andrew, what are we talking about? Today, we are talking about the birth of melodic death metal, in particular, Gothenburg, Sweden. I see. City in Sweden where the bands came from. Sweden's a nice country. All right. Let's get into it. I just splashed beer all over my show notes. All right. (laughs) Besides that, melodic death metal? Yeah, so it sounds kind of like an oxymoron, I guess, to non-metal fans, but anybody who listens to a lot of metal knows the difference between traditional death metal and melodic death metal. There is quite a bit of a difference, at least musically. Yeah, there's a lot of intergenres within that. Yeah, so compare it to uh, other subgenres, in particular, like what was coming out of Florida in the late 80s, early 90s, bands like uh, Death, Morbid Angel, Obituary. Cannibal Corpse and Deicide. They're more like straightforward. Oh, Cannibal Corpse is from Florida. Uh, traditional death metal. Yeah. Well, Cannibal Corpse started out in Buffalo, but they moved down to Florida, and that's where they're based out of now. Oh, geography. So, yeah. <laughs> so a, a good definition, believe it or not, Wikipedia actually had a good definition. So that's they define yeah, they define <laughs> the music as it combines aspects of traditional heavy metal, ranging as far as the new wave of British heavy metal, in particular fast riffing and harmonic guitar lines. With the heavily distorted guitars, fast double bass drums, and occasional blast beats of death metal. And double bass drums, so like double kicker drums, two pedals. They, yeah, they, they hit them like really fast, right? So, and the vocals. <laughs> good, there's the technical good, terms, good, you know. Good, I'm, I'm not a musician, man. Uh, when they the hit vo- them, you know, really fast. Don't don't try to get me to explain somebody else's <laughs> de- definition. <laughs> uh, yeah. And the the vocals typically combine. This is also from their definition. Typically combines harsh screaming and growling with melodic singing, uh, with some artists emphasizing one of these, these techniques over the rest. Okay. So, uh, the style is widely thought to have originated out of the metal scene of a city called Gothenburg in Sweden, and a lot of people in the metal scene call it the Gothenburg sound. And uh, it, that it's been... term sounds familiar. I don't know if I'm making that up, but I feel like I've heard of that before. For You've what probably heard of it. Like uh, a lot of bands especially in the 2000s like american metalcore bands and whatnot were heavily influenced by this the scene yeah. and the sound uh, and it's it's been linked to th- three of the earliest bands linked to this are in flames at the gates and dark tranquility oh so those yeah. are the bands that we're going to mostly talk about today so a fun fact the band ace of bass also came out of gothenburg <laughs> okay so a musical so, city yeah uh there was other groups they have like a, an orchestra and there's other groups that are from that city but ace of bass is the only one that really i Sorry. thought most of our listeners would have heard of whether they like them or not it's already like more music stuff than like our city of calgary has come up with so good job gothenburg yeah there you go uh so we'll concentrate on mostly those three bands and three of their what would they consider uh landmark albums so right. in flame in flames it's the album called the jester race uh, at the gates it's an album called slaughter of the soul and dark tranquility has an album called the gallery and these three albums are often associated with pioneering melodic death metal and uh, kickstarting that scene in Gothenburg and then the scene in, in general. Sweet. So, uh, in, in fun fact about In Flames uh, in my life, I went to their concert where they were headlining and I stayed for the opener, which was Trivium, and then I skipped In Flames. 
Oh, so I could have more bad. to contribute, but I didn't. I didn't oh, know man. who they were. Bad I was move, there for man. Trivium. I was uh, yeah, I was only yeah. there for the one band. Yeah, I mean Trivium. Trivium's awesome, but uh, yeah. In Flames really influenced Trivium, not the other way around. Like they were. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So we'll look at one additional band, an album outside of those three. Uh, so we're going to also talk about a band called Carcass from England, and they're often grouped with those three bands as they made they they made a shift in style from. Uh, like a, a brutal grindcore style that they played in the late 80s, early 90s, and shifted more to a melodic death metal style around the same time as the other bands with their album called Heartwork. Okay. So kind of go back to a little bit more history uh, before these bands started creating this melodic death metal. One of the bands that helped start the scene in Gothenburg was a band called Grotesque. This is uh, back in the late 80s. So they, they were more of a conventional death slash black metal band. And uh, two of the members, uh, a guy named Thomas Lindbergh and the guitarist named Alf Svensson, would actually go on to form At The Gates later on. Okay. So there's a story, uh, Dark Tranquility, his, their vocalist, his name's uh, Mikhail Stan. He remembers the band Grotesque playing at one of their school dances, or I guess they called them a youth disco. which is They played at a school weird. dance. Yeah, very strange. They, they call it a youth disco there, apparently, but it was basically a school dance. Yeah. Uh, in 1988, and in, in his words, he said, they just wanted a show. It didn't matter what it was. If it was a youth disco, fuck it, let's do it. They went on stage in full garb with blood and pentagrams and inverted crosses, and there were tons of parents just hanging out, checking out that no one was drinking. They tried to pull the plug immediately, but the band kept on playing without a PA. Hey, you know what? That That's awesome. the fault of the school. <laughs> like yeah. the, the band, the band was just saying yes. That is fully on school. I think that's hilarious, man. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> so I'll just kind of do a little thing on each each of the band, and, and mostly regarding that particular album. So the band at the gates, they released Slaughter of the Soul, which was commercially their most successful album, and probably critically too. Generally, like there's a lot of purists that discount it, but. Uh, I never listen to the purists, anyways. So well, they, they I don't know. They tend to. I think they tend to overanalyze things, and they tend to like stay in their comfort zone. You know what I mean? Yeah, they, they absolutely. Like they form their own biases, and then they just inform yeah. everything with that. Like, don't get me wrong. I really respect a lot of those opinions, and I like to read them and and kind of analyze what they what they think, and and I try to relate it to how I feel about it. But still, a lot of them are just very close minded. Um, yeah. So after at the gates released it in uh, 1995, then they would promptly break up in 1996 <laughs> uh, but they've actually reunited since then and reformed in 2011 and they've released a few more albums more recently oh, so it only took them 16 years to get back on track <laughs> yeah uh, like i was saying how the purist kind of trashed that album uh there, there's a website death metal underground and the the guy who reviewed it he actually trashed slaughter the soul uh, as a sellout album comparing it to their previous material but like I said, for me as a fan of pretty much all heavy music, I uh, I really appreciate the like the dense harmonizing guitar riffs, and yeah. then they there's a lot of like great solos and relatively catchy choruses, and they work it into a more traditional song structure compared to their old stuff with some like acoustic interludes. Yeah. And, uh, apparently, one review mentioned something called pentatonic harmonics, which I don't understand. So uh, Pe maybe pentatonic you know that is. is a type of scale. Okay. So. So apparently like, there's a lot of that in there. <laughs> that's like a couple of that's those are some five dollar words for something that's very simple. Pentatonic is basically like the bet the most basic scale you can play. I know pe penta means five, right? <laughs> yes. I don't know how that works into it. It's been a long time since I learned this stuff, but the pentatonic scale is a very basic scale that kind of just you can fit into any kind of song for a yeah. solo. Like they play within that scale. 
Okay, so I guess they, they made use of that. Uh, yeah, I, Pentaton, if I was to talk out of my ass about it, it would be <laughs> like two guys playing the same key, but in uh, har harmonic. So I guess like different different octaves, same key to, yeah, harmonize. Well, you, you have a lot more insight than I do about that. So. <laughs> yeah, and like I'm 90% sure that I'm saying the right things. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> I hope... I hope I'm drawing on the right knowledge, but yeah. Well, that's, if anybody, if any of the listeners have any more insight on that for us or anything to add, they can uh, email us or whatever, and we can mention it next episode. But, yeah, uh, even if you just want to say, Don, you're wrong, you're an idiot, that's fine. So Thomas Lindbergh is the vocalist, and he uh, his vocals sound, like I would describe him as like a tortured guttural wail more than a traditional death metal growl, and he's got a very distinctive voice. Okay. So Slaughter of the Soul... It heavily influenced the generation of metal musicians, like I was saying before, especially in the U.S., uh, the metalcore scene in the early 2000s. So bands like Trivium, who you really like. And, yes, uh, uh, very much metalcore. And Avenged Sevenfold, who Avenged oh, Sevenfold was yeah. originally... If you listen to their older stuff, they were very metalcore. Uh, yeah, they, they, the same thing as Trivium. They get a little more melodic like later on, but yeah, they started screamo in the start. They started cleaning up their vocals and stuff later on, but early on, yeah. they were both very metalcore. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're going to move on to Dark Tranquility. All so right. Dark Tranquility was originally named Septic Broiler, which is an amazing name. That is. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually, what they actually... Levels to that name. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. There's a, in their documentary, there's a documentary uh, on Dark Tranquility called Out of Nothing. And guitarist Nicholas Sundin recalls they were a group of friends as teenagers, and they decided they needed a creative outlet and started a band before they even learned how to play their instruments. So they, they <laughs> decided... Huh. In the in the interview, he was he was talking about how they decided who's going to play what. So they decided uh, Anders uh, Givarp would be the drummer because he was an athlete. And uh, <laughs> according to to Anders, the the drummer, he later in the documentary he was talking about how he was actually an elite soccer player when he was younger, and he had a shot at even making the national team, but he ended up choosing music instead. Huh. Well, I wonder if he regrets that decision. Well, I mean, they they. Did pretty well, right? Like they're fairly, at least in the metal in the metal community, right? They're fairly, oh, so very, very well known. Pretty high high paying sport. Yeah, but I mean, you blow your knee out, and that's it, right? You've been that's drumming true. for been drumming for like thirty years. That's true. And drumming, you can as as is evident, you could lose an arm. You can still do it. Yeah, literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's also kind of funny how when he's mentioning how they all chose their instruments. So, buddy was uh, an athlete who so became a drummer, and then two guys became the guitarist another guy became the bassist and then he mentioned mentions that andrews frieden who he would leave after their first album to join in flames but he ended up being the vocalist because just because all the other instruments were taken already <laughs> I love it. so after some more demos under uh dark tranquility they started showing signs of a more melodic direction they would release their album called sky dancer and frieden actually did the vocals on that but then he would leave after that to join in flames and Michael Mikhail Stan, who was actually a guitarist at first, would take over the vocals uh, before recording their breakthrough album, which is called The Gallery, in 1995. Okay. So and that's the album that we're mostly talking about today. That's the big one for them. That well, that's the one that is kind of known as one of the like landmark albums in melodic death metal. Okay. Yeah. It's so, like the big one like, for this topic. Yeah. Uh, so moving on to In Flames. Uh, so, In Flames was formed by guitarist Jesper Stromblad in 1990, and he was before that, or actually during that, I guess, he was a member of a death metal band called Ceremonial Oath at the time, okay. and and was looking for a more melodic musical outlet, whereas Ceremonial Oath was very strict about the type of music they made, and uh, right. he, wasn't, he wasn't allowed to have uh, input in that direction. And uh, you know what? Never heard of Ceremonial Oath and uh, In Flames. 
In Flames, Flames is a bit pretty more big. Of a name. Yeah, yeah, In Flames is like I'd say without a doubt the biggest, at least in the mainstream, most well-known band that we're talking about here. Yeah. So I mean, because In Flames is pretty much a like a heavy alt band now. They're not really a, a death metal band at all anymore. Yeah, a little more but, commercial. But the uh, the band originally consisted of three full-time members: so Stromblad, guitarist named Glenn Lungstrom, and bassist Johan Larsen. And they used session musicians to record their first album called Lunar Strain and an EP called Subterranean. So before they recorded the album The Jester Race, which was released in 1996, they got Bjorn, Jalot, and Anders Frieden, uh, who, who like we came from Dark Tranquility, to join as the full-time drummer and vocalist, respectively. Okay. Uh, so in uh, Gothenburg, there I don't have a, a lot about this, the city itself and the scene, but there, there, there was an underground venue in Gothenburg called... Val Valvet. I don't know how they pronounce it in Swedish, but it translates Val to Valvet. Yeah, it translates to the vault, I guess, in English. Okay. And uh, that apparently that venue was very central to the Gothenburg death metal scene at the time. Hmm. There was also um, notable death metal bands coming out of Sweden's capital, Stockholm, such as uh, Entombed, a band called Dismember, uh, but and some other bands. But their sound was uh, different styles, more abrasive and heavily influenced by hardcore punk more than uh, the progressive and melodic. Stuff right. that's coming out of Gothenburg. A little more raw, kind of, then. Yeah, a little more straightforward uh, death metal mm -hmm. type music. And this is at the time. All, a lot of these bands changed their sound over time and, and kind of went different directions musically. But at, th at this time, this is how things were back in the mid-90s, early mid-90s. Right. So it's a bit of an afternote because we're mostly talking about these Gothenburg bands. But I was also going to mention a band from Liverpool, England called Carcass. And they, yeah, that was the honorable mention band. Yeah, they have a place in here. I mean, when I did the research, not everyone would maybe agree, but a lot of articles I read and, and sites that I checked out, they a lot of people grouped them in because of their musical style at the time, and and just the, it was all within a couple of years where this started developing. Uh, so it, the carcass sort of fit the mold at the time. Uh, I, and I, I'm already a fan just because of like I looked them up on Spotify just to see what kind of numbers they got. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of their songs is Eleanor Rigor Mortis. Oh, you just like, ruined I was going to bring that up later. You oh, were you? Oh, no, I'm <laughs> yeah. sorry. I was so excited a, about it. <laughs> it's an amazing song name, which I'm probably going to repeat <laughs> later. But. Oh, yeah, it deserves repeating. I don't even yeah. care about the song the way it sounds. <laughs> so just to clarify like their place in this genre, they made a transition at this time from being a basically a grindcore band with lyrics straight out of a medical encyclopedia to an almost traditional hard rock bordering melodic death metal style and it was about the same time as as these bands were starting to cool. you know kind of come into their own right. and uh most carcass purists seem to like shit on this album as where the band completely changed their musical direction and sold out and like I, I sort of agree with them if you're expecting a band to always stay with like you know their style that they like always stay the same basically you know mm -hmm. and which to me i wasn't interested even though their old stuff is good. I enjoy uh, quite a bit of it. I wasn't interested in hearing Reek of Putrefaction over and over again every album, which is their first album. So, yeah, I I don't you know I, mean? I don't understand. Like I I get if they're if they're changing their sound just to sell more records, then you can kind of accuse them of stuff. But if they're just trying to you know make well, if you're just trying to expand, way, yeah, the, like the direction they feel like is natural. Yeah, if you're just you know making changing your artistic direction or trying to if you just want to you know make something that just appeals to you at that time or it's just something that you feel like doing you know it's i don't see why people need to crap over someone because they they want to 
expand their horizons a bit, you know, and, and explore. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so uh, the the album that we're talking about from Carcass is called Heartwork, and right. uh, it's like I've I've always loved that album. I've I've had it for forever, and uh, maybe it's because of the traditional rock song structure in it, but with the vocals that would make sure that they never got played on mainstream rock radio. <laughs> but they, uh, yeah, I I just kind of love that about it. How they sound like they sound like just rock songs, you know, like chorus verse. And, yeah, uh, you know, within structured. a certain time frame, and then it's just got like this like raspy death metal <laughs> vocals. So, uh, tons of great har- uh, riffs, guitar harmonies, solos on, a, on that album. Uh, the first song off it that I ever heard was called No Love Lost, and they played it on a video on Much Music Loud back in the day when I was really into that. So, Carcass is in a small group of death metal bands also that got distributed by a major label in the 90s. So, there was like a, a small period there where Columbia Records handled. Uh, Heartworks North American distribution, and they also handled distribution for some other bands such as Cathedral, Morbid Angel, and Entombed, and uh, apparently a few other ones too that are maybe a little lesser known. They also yeah, did like yeah, I was gonna say like I've I've at least like heard of those guys. Yeah, they also distributed uh, Sepultura, I believe, but Sepultura is not technically a death metal band, at least not at, at that time. Uh, Good band though, big fan of, oh, of Sepultura. Yeah, great band. They're just there's there's lots of uh, dispute over when I was reading some uh, some chat online like people were talking about how Sepul- they, they group sepultura as death metal and then people are just shitting on them like oh sepultura wasn't death metal like but i mean they were uh, maybe back in the mid 80s but people are just so nitpicky about that shit right? and then but then that's like oh sorry i didn't select the perfect sub genre of the nine thousand different names that are out there like it's metal that's like, just that's like exactly <laughs> what people re- responded uh, as well like that, what you just said pretty much so yeah yeah uh, it's like it's the same thing with like movie snobs who i know you have a huge problem with like some people will get really pressed if you're know, like that movie's not a comedy yeah it's a drama like yeah like if, if purists I, are uh, yeah if i if i watch it and i laugh half the time it's a freaking comedy man. Like, you know if, yeah. I, if that's how i if that's how i want to enjoy it yeah like if you're if you're laughing at schindler's list it's a comedy no <laughs> oh my god no. yeah I, I, I would not laugh at schindler's list and never yes. a comedy so uh, the, if you look at the cover of Heartwork, there's a, a sculpture on the cover of the album, and it was actually designed by H.R. Geiger, who you've probably heard of. On Heartwork, H.R. Geiger, uh, I need context for the name. That sounds uh, he's, he's the guy who designed like, Alien. Like the, the yes, monster. okay, that's what I was thinking. Of. Like, I know yeah. it's, some sort of, it's some sort of 20th century like, And he, he, did, uh, he, he, did a, he did a lot of art for, for album covers over the years as well. For, really? For various, oh, I didn't various, know that. For various bands and stuff, yeah. He did a album cover for Danzig. Uh, he did one. Oh, what the heck was it again? He did one back in the seventies. It's really well known. Oh, that's a really cool like, cover. Can't remember which one it was, but so that that sculpture that is on that album cover is called Life Support 1993, and it was an updated version of one of his sculptures from the late sixties. It's cool. I don't understand yeah. it, but it's cool. <laughs> it's yeah. like a centipede spine arm on a, a peace sign. I like it. Uh, I was also looking at the album cover of Jester Race earlier, and I was gonna say this looks like the Mortal Kombat Tower. <laughs> nice. Let's <laughs> say that's cool, but I like Heartwork more. Yeah, it's pretty. It's kind of a neat cover, right? like sort of obscure. Yeah, as I said before, I'm a huge fan of creative album covers. So, uh, as far as the the musical style goes for all these groups, uh, none of these albums feature much use of the clean vocal parts that would. There's a little, like a tiny bit, especially in like the Dark Tranquility. There's a little bit, but 
there's not, none of them really use the clean vocals that would become characteristic in quite a bit of melodic death metal later on. Yeah. Where you'd have, say, like a, a clean vocalized chorus. Uh, yeah, which is what got me into Trivium so much is they had a really good balance, especially early on. They've gotten away yeah. from it. But yeah, like uh, the the grindcore screaming verse and then the... Yeah, yeah like the, the contrast thing. between the, 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 the growl, the death metal growl, and then the clean mm. vocals or whatever. It's, it's pretty it hooks cool. hooks you. If yeah. you like that kind of kind of style, it's it's a really nice hook for the songs, for sure. But I feel like this is a really short episode in comparison to some of ours. But we're already on the workout playlist. <laughs> so. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> making, <laughs> making good time tonight. I feel like I learned a lot already, so that's fine. Uh, all right, so onto the workout playlist. I ain't got time to bleed. This is the Let's put a smile on that face. I'm just going to kind of do a couple songs from each album. So uh, we're going to start out with uh, At the Gates. And the first song we're going to do is called Blinded by Fear. So it's the opening track on the album. And I was really wavering between this track and the title track, which is right after it. But I had to pick just one. And uh, it just, uh, it starts out quiet with some somber spoken word distorted with some electronic noise. So it's it's very quiet. And then all of a sudden it just hits you like full blast with a, a thick, heavy riff machine gun drums and uh probably it's probably one of my favorite opening tracks on a heavy album ever just because of it just like breaks right into it as soon as the the instruments start it sets the tone yeah and uh just fast and heavy and the the tempo a lot of their at the gate songs a lot of tempo changes which i really enjoy uh and they always get me pumped because they'll kind of like slow down for a few seconds and then like speed up again and like just the way the drums break in oh yeah i'm a big fan of that um there's a band that i listen to uh, a little bit that you probably aware of uh, Dillinger Escape Plan. They like to yeah. mess with tempo, and I love it. Actually, that the funny thing is Dillinger Escape Plan because I started listening to them. I never really listened to them very much before, but I just recently started listening to them more, and I actually mm-hmm. really enjoy them. And I I used to oh, not think I, I used to not think that I liked them, and now I'm I, I don't know why because I really enjoy a lot of their stuff. It's, yeah, it's no, they're they're good. fantastic. That's yeah. a band that I I tried to see when I was in when I was in high school, but they they came to. They came to town. They came to Calgary yeah. to promote One of Us is the Killer, that album. And uh, I was too young. It was an 18-plus show, and I couldn't go see them. And I'm oh, still no. upset about that because I don't think they've come back. Well, if they ever if they ever come back to Calgary, we'll, we'll go together. Cause Absolutely. I, I've always wanted to see those guys. So uh, for this, just to finish off for the song descriptions, Thomas Lindbergh, right. the vocalist, he's just screaming face of all your fears and is like tortured howl over this crushingly heavy guitar. It's pretty awesome. Sweet. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to give it a listen now. Blinded by Fear at the Gates. Oh yeah, this is bringing me back because, as you said, like Trivium heavily influenced one of my favorite bands in yeah. high school, and I hear it. I hear like the 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 melody is there, but then there's still they've got the heavy vocals, and there's uh, 40 minutes of him breaking every plate in his kitchen at the start of this. So. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, you, that's you can, also fun. You can really hear the influence and in all that. that yeah, like, trivium and bands of that ilk that you were more into. They're they're all very influenced by the scene. Yeah, that's awesome. So the next at the gate song is a song called Cold. I feel at the gates they're masters of creating these riffs that were pretty melodic but also very menacing. And uh, Cold is another one. I just love the tempo changes in their songs. It kind of makes you drop your guard for a second and like kicks your ass the next second. Right. You know? uh, there's that neoclassical solo in the middle that makes for a perfect interlude and otherwise a very heavy song. And most of the At The Gates lyrics are pretty dark. And in the chorus where Lindbergh sings, I feel my soul grow cold, only the dead are smiling is very chilling. Oh, so hardcore. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, cold At The Gates. seamlessly transition between the tempos though that's what really gets you i know it's it's amazing eh? like, it's I, like they, they just they know their rhythm so well yeah they, they did a really good job on that throughout that whole album I, I mean i think that's what a lot of the purists have a problem with is how like perfectly crafted that whole album is it's almost like they they feel it's too uh, oh they're, they're mad in some sort of they probably want to say it's overproduced or something yeah, there's some of that in, in some of the critique, but... Ah, whatever. I, 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 I don't care, I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, so that, <laughs> that should be the motto for everything. All right, we're going to move on to Dark, Dark Tranquility. All right. So the first song we're going to talk about is uh, the first song off that album, The Gallery, called Punish My Heaven. It's kind of a weird title, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and con you have to remember, English is their second language, right? So... Oh, okay, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. In contrast to At the Gates, Dark Tranquility, they rely a lot on tons of like fancy fretwork and guitar melodies uh, mixed in with the fast, heavy riffs. Okay. And, and their sounds a lot cleaner uh, with like less distortion and whatnot. Uh, Those Mikhail's, technical terms again, Andrew. You got to dumb it down, man. Yeah, that's, that's pretty dumbed down. That's, I mean, I can barely <laughs> understand myself. Just uh, reading well, the words, I don't know what they mean. <laughs> uh, so, Mikhail Stan, the singer. Uh, well, at this point, he's a singer who's previously the guitarist, but he has right. a vocal style closer to a typical death metal growl. Mm -hmm. And uh, all the members of this band by this point are very technically proficient at their instruments. And apparently this is a song they also play live quite a bit, which from how it sounds to me, it must be goddamn exhausting for all of them because it's like there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. uh, and Stan actually briefly flashes a bit of clean vocals in this song, which is not very common in these few albums here. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, well, punish my heaven. The joy will never come. Punish my heaven. That's right. You suffer my punishment. We have arrived. The others were brought. The charge of cosmos. Uh, 
I got kind of kind of lost in it. Those are the tempo changes again too. And I see what you mean about it being exhausting though, because they're like there's so really much guitar work. Out. Yeah, there's yeah. so much guitar going on. And apparently their drummer uh, Anders is really good if you listen to their drumming too. Like he, mm-hmm. I I don't pick up on that as well, like the technical drumming stuff. But uh, from comments that I've read, he's uh, he's very good. But, yeah. Although he did he did just recently leave the band, but he was with them for for years and years. It seems like that might that's kind of a kind of a theme with some of those bands like rotating through drummers. I don't know if it's just that that kind of grind gets to you. I remember uh, the the drummer that I saw Trivium with, uh, like the one they had at the time, Nick Augusto. Uh, yeah. Right around the time they recorded whatever album it was, uh, he posted a picture of his hands after one of the concerts on their tour. And they were, uh, oh, they were raw. It wasn't oh, even blisters. It was like the skin you could see was like folded back because he just, that's uh, the style. And it's the same style why, as these guys. That must be why some of them wear gloves, right? You'd have to, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Especially playing metal, right? They're just hitting so, oh, so fast. Yeah, so and and long too, because like these yeah. songs are are generally pushing five minutes at the least. Yeah, for sure. All right, moving on to the next Dark Tranquility song. It's called Lethe, right. L E T H E. So this is okay. a another great tune from the, this album, The Gallery. It starts out with some mellow acoustics, and it's mostly a mid-pace song, although it does speed up a bit at times. That tempo change we're talking about. Right. Uh, it features some some solid riffs and melodies and some actually pretty great lyrics. Uh, Lethe is apparently the name of a river in Greek mythology where it's believed that the newly dead would drink from it and lose all memory of their past existence. And I, uh, I'll, give, I'll give props to Encyclopedia Britannica for that because <laughs> that's where I got that information <laughs> Our from. two sources today, uh, Wikipedia yeah. and Encyclopedia Britannica. Uh, <laughs> 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 all right, so <laughs> Lethe. I really like the way that one builds up. That might be my favorite song so far. Yeah, it's really good. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of transitioning between the clean and the distorted, and they do it really well there. Yeah, I know. I really enjoy that style as well. With the mm-hmm. when we started with the acoustic, like how I mean, we talked about it before. How Metallica used to always do that back in the day. So I was gonna say, like, it sounds, it it sounds like it's maybe at least inspired by that because they always had like at least one song on the album that had some of that in it, whether it be Battery or or Injustice for All, or whatever. Yeah, at least for those from from uh, Red Lightning up to Injustice for All, they had a lot of Yeah, the, the 80s stuff, yeah. at least. All right, moving on to song number five. All right, so and this is going to be a different band, right? Yeah, we're going to shift to In Flames. So I'm going to go with the first song off the album, The Jester Race. The song is called Moonshield. So this whole album is just crammed full of great guitar work and lots of melody. And Moonshield's a prime example, starting out with some nice acoustic guitar, followed by great riffs and tons of layered guitar melodies. And some reviews I was reading about it feel that In Flames put too many guitar parts in their songs, making them basically impossible to play live properly. <laughs> but but on the album, it sounds really impressive. And, hey, that's uh, all that counts. Frieden's, Frieden's vocals are fairly subdued compared to Stan's or Lindbergh's vocals from the other bands, but they really fit in right into the music where the guitar melodies are really the focus of the song. Right. All right, uh, Moonshield.
I'm just sad that I didn't stay for the concert. I knew I was gonna like regret it uh, more once I, I actually listened to them. And now I'm sad. I like it. It sounds like medieval. It's got that kind of key to it. I don't know how. Technically, I don't know how to define that, but you know it when you hear it. That makes sense, right? Yeah, like sort of like classical sort of guitar sound. Yeah, yeah that's what it is. Yeah. It's got kind of that vibe. Yeah. It works. Yeah, it's really good, eh? Uh, mm-hmm. All right, the, the next In Flame song we're going to do is a song called Goliath's, Goliath's Disarm Their Davids, which is kind of a stupid <laughs> title. Uh, and so <laughs> Once I, again, I read, they are sweet. <laughs> reading, reading the lyrics, they're either insightful or completely nonsensical. I'm really not enlightened <laughs> enough to tell. But... Uh, so you know you you read what people think that they mean and who knows they might mean nothing they might mean something very profound i don't know but uh lyrics aside the guitar harmony over the main riff in the song is amazing and it gives me chills it's really right. good. A great solo as well in there sweet i'm gonna i'm gonna say it slowly so i don't mess it up goliaths disarm their davids okay I absolutely love the way the drums work with the, the guitar melody there. Yeah, the melody's awesome, eh? I love the way is, the guitar sounds there. Yeah. That is excellent. Yeah, I got nothing else to say besides I really like that song. Yeah, I'm going to have to listen to a lot more In Flames after this. Yeah, actually, listening to all this stuff for the show, I listened to that whole album a couple, a few times, and, and I actually don't didn't realize how good it was, and I'm, I'm really getting into it. Yeah, you have to listen to the, I'm going to have to listen to the yeah. whole thing. Because I, I sure. listen to more In Flames stuff from like the albums after that, like the album called Clayman and uh, Colony. Like there's uh, they're probably a couple of years after this, more of the late nineties. Right. And uh, so I, I never really was exposed to this album and it's, it's really good. It's great. It's got a Mortal Kombat cover and everything. Uh, the Mortal Kombat tower. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Song seven, we're going to move on to carcass. Sweet. So England, Liverpool, England's own carcass. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, the song is called buried dreams. It's also the first song off that album. Heartwork. I do a lot of first songs. Okay. Uh, <laughs> they all open strong. Good sign. Yeah. So Carcass, at this point, I was talking about before, they seem to have taken a bit of a traditional rock song structure to their music. So th- this song opens up with some guitar harmonies, and it breaks into a, a slow, kind of dark-sounding riff, like sinister-sounding. Right. Uh, and then, of course, the death metal vocals, like, like I said before, that no matter how structured the song is those vocals are never going to let them make it onto mainstream rock radio yeah but <laughs> and, i res- uh, respect to them for sticking with it yeah for sure and, and they they to me this song seems heavier to me than it actually is musically and a lot of it's because of the lyrics because so like, here i'll just read a little thing of the lyrics here so uh, welcome to a world of hate a life of buried dreams smothered by the soils of fate welcome to a world of pain bitterness your only wealth the sand of time kicked in your face rubbed in your face like mm. yeah, like those are yes. <laughs> those pretty dark lyrics. It's not quite <laughs> traditional. <laughs> yeah, like that's they, they they found a couple ways to not get played on <laughs> mainstream rock radio. Yeah, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love it. But, yeah, right. give it a listen. Yeah, buried dreams, carcass.
Yeah, I don't think that's. I don't think your local rock station is going to be playing Carcass anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A lot more, a lot more driving than uh, than the other guys. Like you can still hear the melody in it, but they definitely t- trend towards the driving rhythmic style. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely even though they're grouped in with helping start the uh, the melodic death metal right. uh, scene, they they they're, they're definitely a lot different than the Swedish bands. Mm-hmm as far as their style goes but uh yeah i like it a L- little heavier kind of because of that yeah and even though even though it's fairly slow it's 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 pretty dense but pretty heavy you know like, yeah in, in, its, in its own way right dense <laughs> is a good way to put it i think yeah so song number eight uh it's right. the title, title track off that album heartwork all right so they they speed it up a little bit more for the title track than compared to buried dreams uh they get into some more guitar harmonies there's a great main riff in it uh, it's, it's still pretty borderline as far as death metal goes, but mm-hmm. uh, it's still got that that raw, you know the song structure. But it's pretty catchy. Uh, it's definitely a, a very far cry from their beginnings as a grind grindcore band, which, like I said, a lot of metal purists are not happy about or we're not happy about. But uh, yeah. I, I love this album, and lyrically, it's definitely a step up from what is it? Vomited anal tract after first album. Mm. <laughs> That is that uh, is a song. You should, that's I, the name of the song. I dare you to read the lyrics of that song. I don't know if I want to. I'm already uh, I'm already traumatized from some of the other song titles I've read from yeah, last like, time from, from some God. of Devin Townsend stuff. So <laughs> yeah, Heartwork's uh, the lyrics and Heartwork is definitely a little bit more cerebral than yeah. uh, than their old <laughs> stuff. But uh, uh, all right, well, <laughs> Heartwork, Carcass. Well, now I'm mad that you're saying people are mad at them for changing their sound because it sounds like they work the melodic part in fine. <laughs> like it sounds, yeah. they still got mostly death metal in there. Well, if you if you were to hear Carcass's old output, like Re- Reek of Putrefaction, Symphonies of Sickness, their their old albums, they're mm-hmm. much much different stylistically. Yeah, uh, I mean, other than other than the vocals, but uh, production wise, song structure, uh, just the guitar style, just they're like completely basically a different genre entirely yeah seriously and I, like i even um like here here's some megadeth in there maybe mm-hmm. that's that's a uh inspiration there too like, well yeah it's I mean, kind this of a combination right, of genres this is right after megadeth came out with uh countdown to extinction so i can almost see some similarities oh okay yeah so it would have been massive yeah all right so i guess that's it for the workout playlist that's the playlist okay uh well is there um is there any news i, I have a few yeah, I have a few news items. So a couple things from our last show. So I was reading some comments on uh, the detox video from SYL. Right. And it's because I, I, I get kind of caught like going down the rabbit hole sometimes reading comments at the bottom of videos. But uh, right. appar- apparently the lyrics from the song actually appear in an email on a computer terminal in one of the underground levels in Fallout 3. How freaking obscure is that? What? <laughs> What? what? <laughs> That's so specific. So someone, Lyri- yeah. so whoever was writing the, the game was just a fan. Apparently, yeah. So yeah, lyrics from the song "Detox." That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's a sweet game. So that, that's crazy. Eh? Like I, I mean, I 
played that game sick. tons, but I never noticed that. Now I kind of want to go play it again just so I can find that computer terminal. This really, really specific Easter egg. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, I mean, there's, if you've played that game, there's so many goddamn terminals to read. You do not yeah. read all of them. Yeah, you kind of gloss over so many of them. Yeah, uh, but that's really cool. Another thing, uh, Steve Vai and Devin Townsend were interviewed by a lady named Teresa Ronkin. I don't know how to pronounce it. Teresa was, R? Yeah, she was a Canadian journalist that used to be a VJ and whatnot. Uh, right. She, But she actually mixed up. Remember when I mixed up Down Deep Into the Pain and called it mm -hmm. Deep Down Into the Pain? She mixed it up yeah. on, on air. So I feel oh. somewhat vindicated because or of that. Or you're both stupid. Or, or we're both stupid, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, so as far as the bands we're talking about today, Carcass put out a new album this year called Torn Arteries. Uh, okay. which so far I've enjoyed from what I've listened to. And uh, oh. uh, although you ruined it for me, one of the songs yes. is called Eleanor, Rig <laughs> Eleanor Rigor Mortis, which is an yes, amazing sorry. song title. Uh, <laughs> nice thanks a lot. to Eleanor Rigby there. Thanks a lot, Dawn. I got excited. Uh, it was fun. And uh, At The Gates reformed some years back, like I was mentioning, and they released an album this year called The Nightmare of Being, which okay. is, it, it sounds okay. It's not, uh, it's not necessarily my favorite, but it's, uh, mm -hmm. it sounds pretty solid so far from what I've heard. But uh, Decent enough. Figured I'd just put that out there. So, uh, oh, yeah, there's right. the news. So still, put, still putting stuff out? Yeah. All right. Uh, if that is it, that's going to do it for this episode of The Heavy, then. So, yeah, see the show notes as usual for a complete list of the songs that we talked about. It'll all be in there. we got a link to our Spotify playlist that we'll keep adding songs to. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And then if you like the show, please tell a friend and leave us a rating on iTunes. Uh, our website, www.theheavy.ca. You can email us at theheavypod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Heavy Pod. Our show is edited by Ian Sutherland. Andrew does all the research. Our brother Rob designed the logo. Our theme song is Stallions of the Highway by Savage Blade. And I'm your host, Don Sutherland. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you in two weeks. Later. <laughs>